Welcome back to our Life on Purpose podcast with another segment of Grasp the Sword. We're really glad that you're listening in and pray that you're being encouraged by all of our podcasts. Our hope and prayer is that God will use these episodes to not only encourage you, but to equip you as you're seeking God more in your life and seeking how to live your life on purpose, which we hope is, you know, we're going for His purpose for our lives. So we're hoping that these podcasts are helping you in that journey. As you think about your own journey, as you think about uh, things that God calls you to or things that God tells you to do, I think it's interesting that when we truly start seeking God's will for our lives and we start trying to figure out what His purpose is for us, that sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we would not have planned for ourselves. Sometimes listening to God and following His directions seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Let me ask it this way. Have you ever found yourself thinking that you may have heard God speak to you, but you question what you heard or what you think you heard? Have you ever found yourself asking, God, are you sure about this? Is this really the best way to do this? Is this really what you want me to do? Is this really where you want me to be? Is this really where you want me to go? I know I've asked these questions before. Sometimes it just seems, I just don't know about that. I can only imagine that the characters in our spotlight story for this week may have had similar questions. A popular Bible story for kids has always been the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho. I remember when our kids were little, one of my favorite Veggie Tale episodes was Josh and the Giant Wall. I loved how they portrayed the soldiers of Jericho using the French peas. I loved how they portrayed Israelites' confusion about God's orders and how they showed God working through this plan. I could go on and on about the show, but to quote one of my high school teachers, I digress. So you remember the story, right? This is a story of how Joshua and the Israelite army crushed the mighty city of Jericho with their mighty military might and laid siege to the city by the strength of their hand, and they toppled the walls with their great strength. No, wait. That's not quite how it happened, is it? Well, let's not get too far ahead. A little context would be really good first before we get into the story. If you remember, before Joshua assumed the leadership of the children of Israel, and before he served as Moses' second-in-command, he was something else. At one point, Joshua was part of a covert group of 12 spies that Moses had sent to spy out the Promised Land. In Numbers 13 and 14, we learn that these spies went into the land of Canaan, and they saw a land flowing with milk and honey, and they brought back these huge vines and these huge grapes. The land was everything that God had promised them it would be except for the giants. According to 10 of the spies, the men of the land were like giants compared to them. They were just grasshoppers in their sight. They said there would be no way that they could defeat the people that lived in the land. They were too numerous and too big. There was no way it would happen, and they were too scared to try it. But Joshua and his companion Caleb told a different story. They had faith that God would defeat their enemies and take them into the promised land just like he promised. However, the people of Israel sided with the ten naysayers. As a result, the whole nation was forced to wander the desert until that generation completely died out. They were right on the precipice of receiving God's promise, but they did not have the faith 
to go through with God's plan. There's a really a lesson right there that we could dig into at some point, but we're going to have to skip past that lesson and keep on with this story. So after that, that whole generation dies out, it was also Moses' time to go on. It was time for him to pass the torch. Because of something that happened previously in his life, he was not going to be able to go into the promised land. So he died before entering the promised land. But before he died, he passed the torch of leadership to Joshua. So Joshua then assumes the leadership, and he leads the people of Israel across the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, into the land of promise. Now, after all these years of waiting for this promised land, they are finally here. They are about to enter the land that God had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob so many years ago. And now it was time. It was time to go into the promised land. As they entered, God had instructed the people and he had instructed the priests to rededicate themselves to him. And they faithfully followed these instructions. Now, eventually, it was time to face their first real challenge, the great city of Jericho. The city with Jericho was fortified by giant, massive walls. The walls were so thick that people had actually built homes and dwellings inside of the wall. Just as a reference, I would send you back to the story of Rahab and the two spies that had gone out into Jericho. That's from Joshua chapter 2. We don't have time to get into that story either. But that's a good story for reference about Jericho and these walls. So, back to our story. So, news of the Israelites had spread. Millions of people that have marched across the river. The city had been sealed up and the gates had been closed because the people of Jericho actually feared the Israelites. So, they closed up the city. They closed the gates. And with their resources and with the protection of this great wall, they felt confident they were completely protected from this new enemy. Now, this was also to be the Israelites' first major undertaking in the Promised Land. This would set the stage for future conflicts. This would send a message to all the other kingdoms in the land of Canaan. This would show their might. They were ready for their marching orders, but they may or may not have been ready for these specific marching orders. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Joshua chapter 6. Now we're going to read a few excerpts from this passage. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want to read verses 1 through 7, and then verses 10 through 11, and then verses 14 through 16, and finally verse 20. And then after we read from God's word, we'll kind of wrap up with some of the takeaways. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. Joshua called together the priest and said, Take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, 
March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Jesus commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once a day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in camp. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long, horn, the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into town and captured it. So let's make a few observations. Um, but as we're, as we're talking about this, I want to I start with God's plan for taking the city. And I, I do want to make a note here. Uh, the, these kind of next comments, uh, when I'm going to talk about their, their reactions, these are just kind of my thoughts and conjecture. In, in fairness to Joshua and the people, the Bible does not really record their initial reactions to God's plan. So we don't know if they initially questioned the plan or if they just followed it completely without question and did exactly what God told them to do. We do know whatever their initial reaction was to the plan, uh, they did follow it. And they obeyed it to the letter, to the, to the point of, you know, these guys marching around the city completely silent. They did exactly everything the way God had told them to do it. But one thing I do know is this. The, the Israelites and Joshua were people just like you and me. And if there's one thing that is clear from the Bible, it's that people in 2021 are the same people as they were 4,000 years ago. You know, we can see multiple people in the Bible who question God's plans and faithful men and women of God. You know, in, in 2021, we have similar tendencies, thoughts, and behavior patterns. So time does not separate us from that. So having said that, I want to kind of dive into this just with that caveat there. Maybe we could approach it like this. How would I have reacted to God's plan? I can only imagine what my first reaction to this plan to march around the city would have been, but it might have gone something along the lines of, excuse me? Hopefully, maybe it would have been a little more respectful. Maybe something more like this. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you just said that you want us to march around the city for seven days and then shout and the walls will just fall down. Could you repeat the full details for me? I missed the part where we're going to hurl huge rocks at the wall or shoot fiery arrows in the windows to burn the walls to the ground. You know, that may have been my initial reaction to, to this plan. But God's answer to that would have been no. No military siege, no catapults, no fiery arrows, no scaling the walls like in the movies, no nighttime raids. I have this simple plan. March around the city like I instructed. Do this methodically and faithfully for seven days. If you do this, I will deliver the city and these people into your hands. That would be God's response. Now, like I said, we don't know if Joshua and the people's reactions was like that. Uh, you know, maybe it was like mine or what mine would have been, or maybe it wasn't. 
What we do know is that they did exactly what God told them to do, no matter how crazy the idea seemed to be. And God was faithful to his promise. He used what seemed like an impossible situation with an impossible plan, and he did the impossible. But isn't this just like our God? Isn't this just like the God that we serve? Isn't this the way he likes to handle things? How many times in the Bible and in our lives does God do things completely counter to the way that we would do them? Think about this. God chooses Gideon, the coward in the wine press, to defeat a vast army. God uses Ruth, a Gentile Moabite foreigner, to be the great-grandmother of David and to be in the lineage to Jesus. He uses Esther, a young Jewish exile, to rescue the Jews from certain annihilation at the hand of Haman. He chooses David, a young shepherd, to be the king. He chooses 12 common men to be his apostles to spread the gospel to the whole world. But why does God choose to act in this way? Why does he choose to do things counterintuitive? Why does he choose plans that sometimes seem almost illogical? Well, I think in this story, and a lot of times in our story, his reason is simple. I'm in control. This is all me. In our story about Josh and the walls of Jericho, he wants to show the Israelites, along with the people in Canaan, that it's he who is in control. It's he who wins the battles. Otherwise, what happens? If the Israelites think that it was because of their power that they took Jericho, what's the danger in that? Well, we've already seen their parents and their ancestors just easily lose sight of God's power. Even after witnessing God's miraculous interventions, they still forget God's power. And when they lose sight of God and they did not place their faith in Him, they wandered away. And this happened countless times in the Old Testament where the children of Israel did not do it God's way and they suffered the consequences over and over. And I believe that's the message for us today as well. As we've looked at several stories from the Bible through our podcast, uh, we, we've seen several situations that were beyond the character's control. They were in situations that seemed impossible. And God's plans were completely different than what they probably thought should happen. What we need to remember and understand is that God has an eternal perspective. He sees a larger puzzle that we cannot see. He is able to see the big picture of our lives. He can see the big picture of our lives tied into history. He sees how our past, our present, and our future work together in his plan. We can't see that. You know, we spent a lot of time this year talking about seeking God, finding his purpose for our lives, and learning to surrender to him. And I really believe that this story, the story of God bringing down these walls, I think this story helps us to understand all of those ideas of seeking him and surrendering to his purpose. Sometimes God's plan for us is going to be unexpected, possibly hard to accept. But what we have to ask ourselves is this, are we willing to accept God's plans for us and surrender to his will? Are we willing to open our hearts 
to what God is asking us to do. I want you to think about what walls are you facing today? What impenetrable force is between you and God's plan or God's promise for you? What wall is there? Many of us have things happening in our lives right now, today, that we're praying that we are praying for God's divine intervention. Even as I say that, you may already have something that comes to your mind. What is God telling you about it? As we talk with him about our walls, those things that are in our way, sometimes we ask God to do something about it right now. God, just please move this wall out of the way as soon as possible. Sometimes we ask God to let us do something to change the situation. You know, God, I know that you can do anything, but maybe just let me help so we can get things done faster. Sometimes we ask God to help us with situations, and then we just try to fix it ourselves anyways. Think about this, though. What is God asking you to do to overcome those walls and defeat those giants? Is God asking you to quietly march for a season while he works his plan? Is he asking you to do what seems counterintuitive to the way that you would do it? Remember God's plan for the, for the wall of Jericho. March for seven days, yell, and watch God work. Ask God to help you know when to march and when to shout. But always remember it's his plan, it's his power that will either move the wall or will move you. And that's hard to do. That's not easy. But that's what we learned from this story. I encourage you to open yourself up to God's plan. I encourage you to listen to what God is instructing you to do, even if it seems counterintuitive, even if it doesn't make sense. But in order to hear God's plan... You have to be listening. Joshua was in constant communication with God. And I think that's one of the reasons that he was willing to follow God's plan, even if he had initial questions. He trusted God because of the intimate relationship he had with God. But in order to have that kind of relationship, we must spend time listening to God through his word. We have to listen to God through prayer. We have to listen to God through the many ways that he is going to speak to us in our lives. He will guide us and he will show us his will if we are willing to listen. He may even ask us to march around the city. Who knows? I really hope that this has encouraged you today. It's a great story. Go back and read the whole thing um, and pray over it. Ask God to show you something. Ask God to point out what he wants to show you for your lives. But go back and read it. And like I said, I hope that it's helped you today. Let's finish with a prayer, and then we'll finish with our closing blessing. God, thank you so much for the things that you do in our lives that uh, point us to you and that show us your might, your power, and that you're in control. God, as I, I pray as we... Think about the story about Jericho and Joshua and the people of Israel. I pray that we will be like them and that we will look to you for guidance, for the plans, and that when you give us the plans, that we will be willing to listen to your plans and to follow them and to go through with those plans. And we pray that you will work through all that 
and show us your power, your love for us, and all the things that you want for us. God, thank you so much for loving us, and thank you for sending your son as part of your awesome plan. In his name we pray. Amen. Our closing blessing is this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be on guard. Be strong. Be courageous. Stand firm in the faith and do everything in love. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Have a great day.